Hey guys, this is Christopher Sean, aka Kazuriziono, and you are listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. Alright, hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is my review of Star Wars Resistance Season 2, Episode 4, Hunt on Selsor 3. And it seems appropriate I'm recording this on October 30th of 2019. Uh, today is the 7th anniversary of the Disney acquisition and purchase of Lucasfilm and I'm reviewing a an original Star Wars program on Disney Disney XD Disney Channel either one we are less than two weeks away from the first live-action Star Wars series on the Disney streaming service so everything we imagined not to mention the final movie in the third Star Wars trilogy is coming up in less than two months. Everything we imagined or promised or considered on that day about the possibilities and everything, it's its come to fruition. We are... In the midst of the golden age, as far as what is being released, so this enjoyable episode of Resistance is just the tip of the iceberg as far as what we're getting from Disney. So, happy anniversary to the purchase, and the reason we're all here enjoying this. Uh, but let's get right to it. Um, this was this was an enjoyable episode. It was written by Sharon Flynn and directed by Brad Rao. It's a continuation in many ways of Live Fire from last week. They're still at the same ice moon. Uh, the Colossus is in orbit there. And even though a uh, different writer, different director than last week, uh, just nice continuity. They decided to stick around. Um, the creature that was the subject of last week has been named. It's a Jakush. Um, and it turns out the moon is Selsor 3, which, okay, so the title of the episode shows that it's Selsor and the number 3. Now, the, they've established that the official naming of planets and moons in Star Wars is if the number associated is a an Arabic number that means it's a moon like Yavin 4 it's Yavin the number 4 because it's the fourth moon of the planet Yavin so this is the third moon of the planet Selsor um, but if it was Roman numerals like if it was Selsor III as my, my son little Han would point out uh, that means it's the third planet of that star system um, 
so yes so they're on the third moon of the Celsor planet so just a little little clarification there in case you're wondering about you know numbers versus Roman numerals um, but again you know continuity from last week same place and it's interesting this is the first episode so far of the season where it's just about the people on the Colossus uh, we don't get the first order's perspective this week from Tam so um, you know it's a very self-contained story and as I'll talk about and again it's appropriate I'm recording this today it felt very much like a Disney episode or a Disney cartoon more so than maybe anything we've had in the last seven years but it's a good thing I thought it was um nice and different that way that the Disney influence is there in Star Wars in some ways um, but again just on the Colossus and it starts out with that town hall meeting that I was hoping we would get back when I did the season one wrap up review with uh, Jonah Marie Macias and we discuss what we'd like to see out of season two and I said I would like to see a scene like this where now that everybody is you know on the Colossus and they're in space that Doza has a meeting with everyone in the vein of Mayor Quimby on the Simpsons whenever they have their town hall meetings you know trying to get everyone calmed down from whatever crisis and it wasn't played up for comedy like that so much but uh, they did have that meeting, and it's more about, you know, they're almost out of food, um, you know, they're almost out of, I mean, they got water, but, you know, they're out of booze and all that stuff, but you've got, uh, people are feeling claustrophobic, you know, because, you know, they're used to it being parked in the middle of the ocean, so they can have the, the bay doors open and all that, and just enjoy the fresh air, see the sky but you know they, they feel trapped now because everything's closed up they're in space nothing out of the viewport but blackness and stars you know they, they need something to change and they don't know what to do so you know Dose is trying to calm them down and tell them that everything's going to be okay but they don't believe him and then there's the threat of people leaving you know to go find better opportunities so you know, it's a very tense scene, but I'm glad it's something they addressed. You know, what is the general feeling around the station? You know, because these are people who had their lives uprooted just to escape this threat. So, you know, good start to the episode. So with people wanting to leave, you know, the pirates are seeing opportunity because, you know, people are losing faith in Doza, so they're like, well, we can establish you know, foothold to make people have faith in us. And especially when on Z is, you know, one of the ones getting re- wanting to leave because, you know, her business is going to suffer if she can't sell food and booze. And so, you know, going back to last week when they realized that the creature down on the moon, the Jakush, has, you know... You know, they could be harvested for food. 
that would last them for a while. You know, the pirates see this. Okay, here's our chance. Um, so it's a nice, it's a nice setup. You know, power play and all that. And any chance for the pirates to take center stage like this? You know, we got them uh, on a quick salvage run where they helped to get the coaxium for the ship, but you know, they take it up a notch this week when they can, you know, go out on their own to get the food and gain the trust of the people on the station. Plus, it's just set up for an exciting adventure for them. And then, you know, I also get the uh, the part with Niku. You know, he, he thinks, oh, Anzi is right about the situation. And then later on when, you know, Kaz is talk to him, talking to him and he's packing. I mean, I, I actually thought, you know, as it turns out, there's another reason in the episode, but, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the good writing this week um, by Sharon. I really thought, wait, is Niku really going to go along with everybody and try to leave? You know, is he that uh, susceptible to influence? Uh, so good swerve there or set up to make you think that Niku's going to do something else when, in fact, he had... Um, very good things in mind but on second viewing it's it was it was more obvious what he was doing because he never flat out said oh i'm going to leave too so you know just good use of niku uh, where he didn't really have that much to do during the episode but his actual purpose uh, turned out to be pretty good so and i'm trying to decipher my handwriting you know, when I make the show notes and the kids are playing, it's, uh, it gets a little trickier. Um, but yeah, might as well move into what, I mean, the whole episode was fun, but the pirates taking the galleon down to the moon to try to catch the Jakush was just a beautiful thing. Um, for one thing, the shot of the galleon leaving the station in space with the star field behind heading down to the moon, uh, just so beautiful uh, you know I, I've I said it and tweeted about it that one shot of the galleon coming out of the fog down on Castellon during season one was one of my favorite shots in Star Wars ever just because of how unique it was and the beauty and complexity of the, of the pirate ship and the use of colors um this was another one of those beautiful shots, but in a different way because of space and the way it had to be lit up and all that. Uh, it was just you know, so well done. And then it kicks into that pirate music that Michael uh, Trevera came up with. And that was, that was just such a treat. And I saw other people talking about it on Twitter. Uh, it was just a very whimsical... I, there might have been an influence for it, but I'm not exactly sure what it was um, but it was just a beautiful pirate theme um, it, it little, um, makes you think a little bit of um, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, again uh, that, that was one of the first things that made me think of uh, uh, Disney for this episode but it was just really fun and I, I talked about it last week I loved the visual design of the moon you know for an ice moon 
uh, still had uh, some beautiful blues mixed in with the white, uh, with the fog and the, the ice pillars. Um, it was just a really well animated uh, scene. And then, you know, I do have to mention the when they deploy the pirates' gifts, and some some of them we saw last season, but you know one of them looks like uh, looks like they salvaged um, what was left of Von Rag's Tie Fighter from the end of season one, uh, and repurposed it into a skiff. Uh, unless there's another red tie interceptor uh, from the first order, but yeah, that, I was kind of surprised that was on there. Um, I don't. I was thinking, like, how did they get that? Because I mean, it it exploded like right before uh, they took off to hyperspace. So it must have the pieces must have like landed on the Colossus or got stuck on it um, due to the explosion. So they were like, well, let's just pick it off and we'll make a new ship out of it. Um, but that aside, that was that was cool to see. Uh, it was just a nice um, salvage design. Um, and then, you know, this scene, even though Kaz and Tora are long, I mean, it turned into like a Moby Dick or a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea story with, you know, the fog and the jacouche, um, you know, flying about. It was creepy and mysterious and action-packed. It, it was just, it was almost like a Disney version of um, one of those stories, so... Even though yeah, they have twenty thousand leagues under the sea, which by the way is my favorite book ever. I love Jules Verne. Read that book when I was thirteen. I listened to it on audio again earlier this year. I, yeah, it's my it's my favorite book. Uh, even though I wasn't totally fond of the um, the Disney movie version of it, I'm still watching it on Disney Plus as a nostalgia thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, the influence there and especially like it's, a, you know, the kind of the Moby Dick thing. Yes. Very fun. Uh, let me see what else. Um, I did like, you know, how hard headed Cragen was when this, he thought, you know, he, he thought he knew the best as far as how to, um, you know, attack the beast, wouldn't listen to Kaz, even though they had experience with fighting it last episode. You know, and Kaz and Taurus show off, you know, show that they do know how to deal with it when they're just at the, you know, at one point just trying to escape um, by shooting it on the underbelly and at least finding a weakness. So, whereas, you know, Kragen's been pretty pretty good commander for the pirates in the past you know this time his overconfidence was his weakness as luke would say i when you know a couple of the skiffs got destroyed and you know a couple of our, a couple of our pirates went down i really thought they were goners you know because i i forgot i you know i think i mentioned it last episode i thought like even though it's an ice moon that there was a an ocean and that the um, creature came in and out of that. Well, it turns out it does have solid, solid land to it, even though it's ice. So that's how they survive later on. But yeah, at that point, I thought, man, they, they went down, they're gone. But now that they were okay. 
by just a really fun sequence. And so we get, you know, they're unsuccessful in killing it. They get back to the station. You know, Kragen's trying to blame the aces, blame Doza. And, you know, the placing of blame is uh, an important thing that's been kind of going through the season. You know, I talked about it before on an episode review. Yeah, You know, they're saying, well, Dosa's the one who took us into space. You know, Kaz got us into the situation by being a spy. You know, it's the whole placing blame versus taking responsibility. You know, Dosa's like, well, yeah, I'm the captain. I'm responsible for all these people. And then Yeager told him in the, earlier in the episode, you know, if these people leave and anything happens to them, it's on your hands. And he, he's like, I realize that. And so and you can see how much it's weighing on Dosa. Um the burden of being a captain of a ship, and get once again, Jason Hightower has just nailed it this season with all he's had to do. And I really hope there's an episode later where they reflect on what it was like for him to be an Imperial captain. You know, I want that exploration of his past. Um, oh, it was nice to see Greville again um, at Aunt Z's when he was waiting on the food. Uh, he was such a memorable character in the first few episodes of season one, but he kind of fell to the wayside, and he was in um, uh, The Disappeared. But hopefully we see more of Greville this season. I, I really enjoyed him as a character last year. So, um, you know, Tora, uh, Tora and Kaz have that heart-to-heart with Doza, and they're like, well, we can try again. He's like, it's too dangerous. Uh, you know, we get to go back to Tora's room. We haven't seen that in a while. Uh, Buckles is still around. I, I kind of wonder what happened to him at the end of the season. Um, but he's around, and I like that. And if you'll notice, he jumps off the shelf onto Kaz, and then that's the same thing um, he or she, I can't remember, that Buggles does at the end of the episode. Um, so it was a nice little continuity there with uh, friendliness to Kaz. And so, you know, Kaz points out that they've got a cannon that Tam was working on that could be used to take down the creature. So, you know, they go off on their own to do this. And again, like with that shot of the galleon leaving uh, the Colossus earlier in the episode, I love the shot of Kaz and Tora going down, um, leaving the hangar bay on the Colossus going down to the to the moon. And the, and the sound, that's one. that's been one of the treats of this season. Now that the Colossus is in space, we get the different sounds of all these ships in space. Uh, you know, what the Colossus sounds like and what the, the um, ace fighters and the racers sound like. So just good job by the, um, by the sound team. Really, really enjoyable. Um... So, and, you know, i got to give a shout-out to their, their cold-weather outfits. Even though I, even on the previews from last week, I was like, okay, so where do they get cold-weather gear? Because, I mean, I, I mean, we were only on Castellan for six months, so we don't exactly know uh, what kind of varied temperature they have. But I thought it was funny that, you know, Kaz would have a winter coat and Tori would have one unless, I mean, I... Surely there's stockpiles on the um, Colossus for 
different types of gear, but I thought that was kind of convenient, even though, um, you know, they looked cool. And if they were making figures, it would be a nice variant, but, uh, man, Hasbro dropped the, dropped the ball on that. I'm still, I'm still mad that they didn't ever make a Tam figure for me to get Susan McGrath to sign. I've got three figures signed by different members of the cast, but that's not one of them. Oh, uh, sorry, a little commentary there. Anyway, the cold outfits were fun, and, um, you know, the fact they were doing, like, ground level and, you know, another more creepiness from the creature with it flying around, like, above them and kind of skimming on the surface. It, it almost made me, I know people hate it, but it made me think of the 1998 Godzilla movie where, you know, he's going through, you know, the streets of New York, going by all the buildings, and his tail's kind of out of control and, like, sideswiping all the buildings and scraping off stuff, you know, like the creature did that with the galleon earlier and like scraping across the ground and destroying the battery. Um, yeah, just nice creepiness and all that. Um, but you know, the, 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 you know, of course the hijinks with buckles and Tori having to chase him down. Uh, but I, I, I love the cannon. I love the idea of it. And, uh, the design kind of makes you think of, uh, the one that the snowtroopers used on Hoth to try to stop the Falcon. And kind of the same design because it had the battery pack. Even though Kaz had to um, improvise with CB and the uh, uh, plugging into him. <laughs> Glad he's okay, but don't know if we've ever seen... I, I know Luke plugged... I don't know. Luke charged R2, so... Anyway, I guess it's the first time we've seen one of the droids used as a battery, so that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, and we find out the pirates are still alive and they steal the ships. That was, that was really cool to see them running for their lives and just doing their pirate thing and stealing. Of course it all, all worked out because they killed the creature and, uh, they luckily had the comm link to contact us. <laughs> you know, everything turned out fine. So, uh, just a, you know, well-paced, fun mission-filled episode on the moon. And then we, and we, then we get, uh, this is what I was going to talk about. It, the ending felt very, very much like a Disney f- cartoon, but I enjoyed it. You know, they they harvest the creature for the meat and they're, um, cooking it. And I love that they pointed on a buckets list, the, the the device they used to cook it resembles the um the design for the uh, the way they cook the stuff at Ronto Roasters at Galaxy's Edge, but it's totally coincidental that they kind of look the same that they had the same design in mind. So you know all the people doing Star Wars designs uh, just goes to show you they're tuned into what Star Wars you know, stoves and, um, fire grilling apparatus should look like. Um, but you know, so everybody's, everybody's enjoying the feast and, um, you know, Dozy even calls it so much and, you know, gives that heart to heart. I'm your captain speech, you know, Aunt Z's talking about, you pulled off a miracle. I'm going to stick around. It, it just the way it all wrapped up neatly and, uh, everybody was very heart to heart. I did felt it felt very much like a Disney film or, um, 
for a Disney series. And that's a good thing. You know, I'm just so grateful to them for the purchase and keeping Star Wars going. An episode like this just it makes you feel good. Not every episode has to be, you know, about the, the battling the First Order. They can have a whimsical, fun episode like this, and it's it's cool. And, you know, and then we get uh, the surprise that Niku designed a projector that will make the marketplace look like their sky. Again, so that, you know, people will, won't get cabin fever and... We'll enjoy seeing even an artificial sky. Kind of made me think of the Truman Show. I don't know why, but, you know, just that projected sky. But, you know, it's good for them, even though it fooled the Spiegels. (laughs) I love the bit where they fly right into it. Um, So it's very heartwarming. And, you know, Niku's doing everything about his home. And he even mentioned that again. This is my home. Which leads me to believe he's going to, regardless of whatever... Everybody does at the end of the season. He's going to stay on the Colossus because that's where he belongs. And, of course, he he gets to go have his food because he loves food. And it made me think of uh, the story Mary Elizabeth McGlynn told at the Resistance panel this summer about directing Josh Brenner to say that line because she loves it so much. Uh, Yes, Niku loves his food. Uh, but that's that's the episode. Again, the stakes weren't that high. I, well, the S T A K E S weren't as high as far as fighting the first order, but they did get their stakes. The S T E A K S. Yeah, my puns are worse than uh, Kaz's, <laughs> which he's he's tried a couple. Maybe he'll give up on those uh, now that you know Tor is not buying it. All right, but, but fun episode. Yes, I enjoyed it. Um, but we're back again next week with another episode. We are so close to The Mandalorian, and my reviews of that show will start. Uh, It's an exciting time for Star Wars. Um, But I will wrap it up, uh, just reminding you, I'm on social media, at Radio Dakar, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, All the Radio Dakar episodes, all the episode reviews, book reviews, my recent trailer reviews, the upcoming Mandalorian episode reviews. Uh, it's on most major podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple, Spotify, Overcast. Um, you can find them all through Anchor.fm or the Anchor app. Uh, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash Radio Dakar. Uh, thank you for listening to the review. I'll be back next week. Until then, may the Force be with you. <laughs>